How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Um, so good to see you guys. Um, I, I love VBS. You know, I, I, for another week, I get to relive my children's pastor days you know, and have a bunch of just madness and chaos with kids, and it's going to be so fun. And I keep getting reminded that there's going to be pie in my face at some point, so it better be good pie. But, but I, I'm super excited for what we're going to do here, and I'm excited for what we've been doing um, here this, this year and this past uh, few weeks has been going through the book of James. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to move on to James chapter 2 today. So James chapter 2, and specifically starting in verse 14. But we've been talking a lot about James, unpacking the importance of his letter, um, the importance of the, the action steps he says to do and to go with. And, and today we're really going to unpack a lot more of how that action works with our faith. Now, I think God has really, really spoken to me through this book and, and really challenged me. And I'm hoping that as we talk today, um, some of you will be challenged as well. And uh, in a good way, to where we get to leave here and know that, hey, there's some stuff that we get to go do and we get to be a part of, and we get to actually live out our faith in fun and exciting and engaging ways with our friends, family, and community. Now, today I'm going to be walking a fine line. A fine line, just so you know, theologians have been debating this topic for many, many, many years. Um, There are some people that err on one side, some on the other, and I think that there's a really good middle ground we can find on how these two things work together and how James lays this topic out in Scripture for us. So I don't want anyone to feel discouraged, but, but rather challenged in a biblical way when we leave on, hey, this is something that I get to go do, and have that excitement with you. You know, not a, man, I better go do this, but a, I get to go do this kind of attitude, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So as we dive in, I would like you to... to Complete these phrases, and if you complete it correctly, it'll go up on the screen. Who am I kidding? Even if you get it wrong, it's going to go on the screen. But, but complete it anyways. All right? Peanut butter and there we go. You get how this is going to work, right? Perfect pairs, things that just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Oh, peanut butter and chocolate. Okay, all right, that's true. But everyone said jelly first. You got it right. Um, fish and there we are. All right, fish and chips. Scooby and... Well, I was going to say Shaggy. There we go. Not, not, I said Scooby and to lead into the Shaggy part, right? Scooby and Shaggy, perfect pair. They go together. Burgers and burgers and fries. I half expected Theoden to be like, shakes, you got it wrong. He lives to make, make sure I'm wrong up here. Popcorn and there it is. Thank you. <laughs> when you go to the movie theater, they ask you this. Popcorn and you want some butter on that popcorn, right? What is popcorn without butter. Stephanie probably said salt. If you ever have popcorn with Stephanie, get your own side dish because she has popcorn with her salt. Is real how it goes, right? But there's there's lots of perfect pairs. We can put things together and you know sometimes someone can say one word and you immediately know what's going to follow. James would add this perfect pair to this list. He would add faith and works. Your faith and your works. Today we're going we're gonna to break down a major theme of James chapter 2. And it's one that people often wrestle with in their faith journey. The issue of faith versus your works. And for many centuries, people have wrestled with this thought. And they, they've had questions. And, and how do you do it? And, and so I thought that if we're going to be talking about faith and works, let's, let's understand what does James mean when he says your faith? What does he mean when he says your works? So faith, in this context, faith is defined as the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So when we talk about faith today, that's what we're going to talk about because that is what James is referring to, the complete trust or confidence in Jesus. Now works is defined as the act of doing something 
based on a conviction or belief. So I defined that this morning because we're going to be saying faith a lot in this, in this uh, message. We're gonna be, you're going to be hearing the word works a lot. And so we're going to have to tie these together because James makes some pretty bold, awesome statements on faith and works. And Paul reinforces some, reinforces some of these as well. So we're going to see how they play out in Scripture. What is James even referring to? And what does it mean for us now? What does it mean for us now? So, like I said, people have been debating about this for centuries. And one of the questions that comes, it, it's this. It says, are we saved by our works? Are we saved by our works? Is there anything we can do to save ourselves from the wages of sin? And if you say no, if not, then why do we do anything anyways? If it's not our works that save us, then why do works at all? And like I said, these are, these are questions people ask. If I'm already saved, then I don't need to. Or go to the polar opposite. I got to do this, otherwise I'm not saved. And people wrestle with this. There's a dynamic tension between these two. And trust me, there's, people ask this question to me all the time. When I was a children's pastor, when I was a youth pastor, kids and youth alike would come up and ask this. Well, if God already saved me, then I can just go play Xbox the rest of the day, right? I've, I checked the box. I'm, I'm going. I was like, well, like, Let's talk about that, because I don't think that's a great use of your time. <laughs> but, but it was a question that not only kids and youth ask, people ask. There are adults that say, well, if I'm saved, then I just get to live life every day, and regardless, I'm going. There's nothing else to do. Check the box, and I'm all right. Is that the right mentality to have? What does James mean, though, if he says, if you have faith, but you're not doing works, we're going to unpack what he says when he says faith is dead. So people would say, because God is in control, does it even matter what I do? Does it even matter? And like I said, these are questions that we're going to unpack and dissect today. But know that I said people have been arguing this for hundreds of years, thousands of years in some cases. So just understand that there's going to be a lot of challenges issued today and hopefully a clear understanding of what James is going through. Now, some people would say, I don't have to do something. Others would say, I have to do something. If I don't, God's disappointed. If I do, it's because I have to prove to God that I am saying it. Or if I don't do anything, I'm not really saved at all. It's a riddle, and, and I'll, I'm going to walk a fine line of stressing to people the importance of being saved through grace, because we're going to see that phrase in Scripture, too, about how grace plays a huge part, is the reason that we get saved, and it's a beautiful thing that God gave us that only Jesus can do. Only Jesus gets to do. Only his blood is what saves us. So we have this tension of the truth, and he says that the saved live out their faith in works. Now, they're going to go hand in hand. It is a perfect pair. They work so good together, and we're going to see how we're saved by grace through faith and how our works play into it. So are you ready to dive into here? James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, and it says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Some bold claims right there. James is saying, you know, it's one thing to say something, another to do it. And he's talking really, really seriously and deep on people that need to take action. So James says, the bold line, that faith without works is dead. What does he mean? What does he mean? Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. 
key leaders throughout the history of Christianity and Christ's followers have wrestled with this perfect pairing. Because you have faith, what do you need to do? Do you need to do? What does doing mean? Does it prove your faith? Does it give you faith? It's, it's a tension. It's dynamic. But I think it might help us unpack it. If let's, let's start out by saying, what is James not saying? What is James not saying? James is not saying that your works or the things you do can save you. James is not saying that the works or the things that you do can save you. It's not because of you. And we see this reinforced with Paul, actually, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Paul says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. There's the whole it's not because of you line, right? This not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can you imagine if it was by your works and you, got, you have to go spend eternity in heaven with someone going, I did it. I got me here. I got you here. I got you here. And then you're on eternity with that guy, right? Nobody gets to boast about it. This is the work of God. This is the work of Jesus. Jesus has sacrificed. That's what saved us. Nothing we do saves us. It's what Jesus already did. Paul reminds us here, it is by grace through faith, not by your works. So, would that be a contradiction of what James is saying? Because people have said that too. Paul says it's not by works. James is saying if you don't have faith, if works, then your, your faith is dead. It's not a contradiction though. It's not a contradiction because when you take one without the other, it can be easy to justify having just the one. But when you bring them together, we get this beautiful picture of the completeness of what God is saying. This is what it looks like to be saved by me and to serve and to thrive and to have your best going forward, have my best for you when you put these two things together. It's a beautiful picture, and it's something that ultimately pulls us closer to Jesus. But, but think about it. It would be super easy to brag, right, if you saved yourself. If you could look at your life and say, I did it, I did it, I did it, that'd be a really awesome moment, right? I mean, we, 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 like, to, we like to show off things that we've done. Um, I, I still have some of my baseball trophies, much to my wife's disdain, right? I've, I've got those at home. My daughter uh, thinks I, I played professional baseball, and I don't deny it right? But it's, we, like to, we like to show off accomplishments. But the biggest accomplishment in our life, the one where we say, I have Christ, we don't get to brag about us doing that. We get to brag about him doing that. Uh, very clearly, Paul said we're not saved by works. He immediately adds, though, we are created in Christ to do good works. That's where things start to shift. He says, it's not because we do have to do good works, we are created to do these good works. The work that God planned long ago for us. I love that line. He says, I have it planned in advance things that I want you to do. Salvation is by faith. It's by our faith through this grace, but discovering what it is to follow Jesus, it's not some, some spiritual magic. It, it's not a spell that is cast. It's, it's, something that even, it's not even something that happens to Christians even if you never put forth the faith to live in a Christ-modeling manner. This is all because of Jesus' glory. Now, consider the way that Jesus made disciples. It was kind of a, a, a process he had with it, right? He invited people to follow him as students, but only those people who actually received the invitation and said, I will go and do this with you, they were the ones who received the benefit of following him and being his disciple. They experienced true discipleship. Peter and Andrew, for example, Jesus calls them. says, Peter, Andrew, come with me. What do these guys do? They leave everything leaving their job, their livelihood. They leave and they go to follow Jesus. Because they followed him, they get this experience. But then on the flip side, there was a rich young ruler 
guy who had a whole lot of money, a whole lot of stuff. And he, he was talking to Jesus, and he said, what do I got to do? Jesus said, leave your riches behind and follow me. Guess what he chose to do? Not leave his riches behind. He said, I don't know if I can do this. I like my stuff. I got a lot of it. And he didn't get to experience this walk in this faith with Christ that the disciples did when they chose to leave everything and follow him. Following Jesus, taking this action step towards him, you get to experience this. But there's an action step. The disciples took that action step to follow him. They put actions with their faith. A man in scripture named Nicodemus slowly came to follow as he began to act on his faith. But many other religious experts, when Jesus challenged them, they decided they weren't going to act on it. They wanted to do nothing about it. And if you notice a trend of miracle stories in Scripture, in many miracles, perhaps most miracles in Scripture, Jesus asks a key question to people before, before they receive their healing. Something he asks so many people, he says, do you believe that this will heal you? Do you want to be healed? He, he asks them this, this belief thing first, and it's so great because then, then people get a chance to respond, right? The, the person at the, the water, he misses the point at first. Jesus says, do you believe this water can heal you? And the guy's like, yeah, but no one carries me over there. So Jesus is like, well, if you believe, then do something. He asked one of the lepers, he said, hey, do you want to get healed? Now go do something. He asks everyone first, he says, do you believe? And then he gives them an action to follow. And we see through all these miracles, when he asks them if they believe, that's the faith part of it, right? Do you believe that this can happen? And they, they respond with the, yes, I believe. And they may have a, but I can't. But then Jesus gives them the action step. He says, here's the faith part, believe. Now there's a works part. Now go do something. And every time those people put those two together, they believe, then they stand up and walk. They believe, then they go to wash themselves. The leper was told to go wash himself and then he'd be clean. He was clean before he got there. Jesus said, I'm gonna spit in this mud and rub it on your eyes. All the parents in the room go, oh, gross, right? But Jesus said, I'm gonna spit in this, I'm gonna make mud and put it on your eyes. Now go wash your eyes. And then they do this and then they experience this amazing miracle with God. There's faith, and then there's works. There's an action step. They not only had faith, they had faith to take them where Jesus was and then act on it, not let that opportunity pass them by. And, and this commitment at working at something, if there's something that we really, really want or we want to go do, sometimes you think, oh, man, but this is so hard. But we actually do this all the time. If we believe in something and we believe it will work, we take steps to make it happen. For example, if you want to get a job, there are action steps you must take to go get that job. Very, very far and few between unless someone has a really good connection. Do you just get to sit there and someone calls you and says, you have this job, you're coming. But for the most part, if you want a job, what do you got to do? You put out your resume. You apply. You show up for the interview. Hopefully, you, you, you dress nicer than you normally would. You, know, you, you, you make yourself look presentable. You, you shake their hands. You, you say, you know, thank you, sir, ma'am. You know, you, you, there, you know there's action steps. If I want this, these are the things I must do to make this happen. Or um, let, let's say there's someone in your life, a significant other, that you're like, all right, I think this person is going to make a good spouse, a good husband, a good wife. Um, there, there's action steps you take, right? Maybe it's a, a, a conversation that, that starts that relationship, a phone call or an email, or in these days, eHarmony.com or you know, ChristianMingle.com, maybe even FarmersOnly.com, depending on you know, what your house is. Not you farmers, but you know, FarmersOnly.com. No matter what your choice is, though, there, there's an action step to do it. You know that you believe something's going to be right, so you have a step to do to make it come to fruition. You have an action behind it. If there's no work behind your feelings, you're going to miss out on something that you believe is true, but it's 
going to die because you're not taking those steps towards it. Now, James was apparently dissatisfied with people who were talking the talk, but they never got around to, to walking this walk. He said, there's so much more you have to do. You've got to put steps behind this. And some have actually argued through the ages that James and Paul disagree on this issue of faith and works. But I think if we look at the scriptures of what they say, I think they're really reinforcing each other's points. They're really working together to show how beautiful this union of faith and works is and how it can work together great. Um, I told him this morning I was going to do this, but I didn't tell him what I was going to do. Theo didn't come up here for a second. <clears throat> Payback, man, get up here. Theoden is going to uh, be a model for us today. There you go. Yep. Oh, he's going to own it. Now, what I want you guys to do, this is the interaction part, all right? I need you guys to, to think of some things. What are some things that would, uh, what are some works of a Christ follower? If someone says, I am a Christ follower, I, will, I do these things. So let's say some of those things, and I'll, I'll try and keep up with it. You guys shout them out. But this is, yep, let's just start saying them. All right, feed hungry. I'm still writing feed hungry. Hold on a second. All right, it's not going to be perfect. Feed hungry. All right, hold that. Okay. Hey, you're, you're our model Christian. Hold that. Help others. All right, tithe. Pray. I'll get the invite one next. All right, so we pray. Let's see, that one's going to go right there. Yes. <laughs> invite. Others, all right, we'll go on the hair on the arm right there. Oh, yes, the hair on the arm. All right, what's, what's something else? Something you would say, a Christ follower, this is just a day in the life of Christ follower. Something they should do. Forgive, okay. Try not to get the Sharpie on you. Love people, okay. Love people, there. Read the Bible. B I B L E. Whoa. I know. Share the word. All right, you can put that one somewhere now. Kind. All right. These are all good. Any other things? A Christ follower will we do these? We'll do these things. All right, tell others, absolutely. Tell others, serve. Wait, I just got to put that one right. Yeah, there we go, okay. All right, so we, we, got, a, we got a good list of stuff, right? Okay, so, and, and a lot of these, these are good. Yeah, you know, Christ followers, serve, pray for others, help others, read the Bible, feed the hungry, tithe, love people, invite others, share the word, be kind. These yeah, these are good. You know, these are things you, you would expect. Hey, a Christ follower is going to do these things. This should be a natural byproduct of saying that you believe in Jesus, right? Now, question, could Theoden do all of these things, or could he do some of these things even, and not be a Christ follower? Absolutely, right? There's a lot of things on here he could do. He could serve. He can help others. He can feed the hungry. He could, he could love people. He, he could even read the Bible. He could, he could do a lot of these things and not even be a Christ follower. It's possible that it happens all the time that someone attends church even. Someone comes on a Sunday. Someone goes to a, a Bible study. Someone goes to an event. Is it possible that someone can do those things and still not be a Christ follower? 
Absolutely, right? That's doing a work. Does that work save you? Does doing any of those things get you into heaven? No, right? That, that's not what it does. But what does get you into heaven is the faith in Christ, the belief in Jesus, the, the giving your life to him, knowing the, what, who he is, what he did, receiving that grace that he offers, that what gets you in. But what James is saying here is, can you be a Christian and not do these things? I think that's what James is really trying to get us to understand. Doing these things doesn't save you, but can you say you're a Christ follower, that you have this life with Christ, and then say, but I'm not going to do any of this? That's what James wants us to wrestle with. Can you be a Christ follower and do nothing? It's a tough thing that James is saying here. Faith without works is dead. I'll read it again, uh, James 2, 15 to 17. It says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And these are, these are tough words. Just keep standing here looking good. Here, I'm not done with you yet. And th these are tough words because honestly, how many times do, do we do this? How many times do we know of other people, Christ followers that do this? And, and not saying look at someone and judge them, but look at yourself. And think of us, how many times do we do this? We hear someone struggling. We see someone hungry. We know there's a need. And we say, well, I hope they fix that. I, I hope it gets better for them. But then there's no action to actually do something. That's what James is addressing here. If you see someone in need and you go, hey, go take care of that. And then you walk away. It's like, wow, that's, we're missing the point of what Jesus calls us to do on how we serve and love each other. We have an important ability, an important responsibility to love and serve those around us. And it's one thing to say we believe in it. It's another to do it. And James is saying, believe it and do it. Believe it and do it. Now hear me, we can't help every single person we see. I'm not saying that every single time you see someone needs something, you will have the ability to give them everything they need. But we all have that opportunity where we say, hey, there's someone that I saw and that person's God is telling me, hey, go help this person. You see them, you noticed them, do something about it. There's a story you may have heard before and it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was an old man who used to go to the beach to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning but before he began his work. Early one morning, he was walking alone on the shore after a big storm had passed and found the vast part of the beach littered with starfish, as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he paused every so often, and as he grew closer, the man could see that he was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer still, and the man called out, Good morning. May I ask what you're doing? The young boy paused, looked up, and replied, I'm throwing starfish back into the ocean. The tide washed them up onto the beach, and they can't return to the sea by themselves. When the sun gets high, they'll die unless I throw them back in the water. The old man replied, There must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you won't really be able to make much of a difference. The boy bent down, picked up a starfish and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. He turned, smiled, and said, I made a difference to that one. We may not be able to help everybody, but every time you help someone, you can say, I made a difference to that one. I made a difference to that one. And who knows what that one can do in turn to make a difference to somebody else. James is saying, our works put feet to our faith. Our works put feet to our faith. James says it again, 2.18. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by deeds. 
Now, let's say that uh, Theoden is naked. Don't picture it. Just, let's just, just, just say he's naked. How should we respond in that moment, right? Do, do we just tell him, dude, put some clothes on? You, you could because you know him. <laughs> do, you just, do you just tell him this is inappropriate and then do nothing about it? Or do you realize that maybe there's a situation where he doesn't have something to put on? That he needs something. And now we have an opportunity to not just bark orders at him and say, hey, address this. What's wrong with you? I would start with that because I know him. But then we have an ability to do something about it. We have the ability to help someone who needs something. The hope is that through the love and the faith of Christ, we can see someone who needs something. We can see an action step that we can take, even if it's not a person in your immediate orbit. But we see something we can do and we say, because of my faith, I can do something. Because of my love for Jesus, because of what he's stirring in my heart, I see a need, and I can go fulfill it. I can be a part of changing this one aspect of even just this one person's life. Not because it saves me, but because it shows that Jesus is alive in me. And I think that's the biggest key for us today. Your works don't save you, but they are evidence that Jesus is alive and at work in you. All right, Theoden, you can start taking those off and just let them... Let them fall as they may. Everyone give a hand for Theoden coming up here. (laughs) Now, the things that we see on those post-it notes, those can be the works that say to the world, I belong to Jesus. Those can be things that, that declare that. And these works, when done in faith, they're powerful. When we, do the, when we do those things because of the relationship we have in Jesus, it's so much more powerful than us saying, I'm going to do it because of me. I'm going to do it because I want to. We say, I do it because he wants me to. And I have faith in who he is and what he has for me, and I'm going to share that with you. These things, when done with Jesus, they bring life. Just like their absence, though, makes faith dead. And this is because we have faith, because, because Jesus changed our life, because we are allowing God to work in us and through us. Now, may, maybe you feel called and led by God to, to do the things that we talked about even last week or in the weeks before. We talked about looking for the widows and orphans, and that meaning who are the, the people in our orbit who are the most hurting, the people who people don't notice. Who do you notice? I think that, that when we see those people and we're able to put actions to that faith, we can change lives. Can we change every widow's life? No. Can we change every orphan's life? No. But we can change one. Can, can we help every homeless person in the world? No, but maybe we can help one. Can we feed every hungry person? No, but we can make a difference in one. Look around. Who are the desperate people that are in need of seeing your faith put to feet, seeing your feet go and your actions do things? It's so much more than just a Post-it note, and there's so much more that we didn't even write that we can put on Post-it notes and actually do. The message James wants us to hear today is put feet to your faith through your actions. Or here's another way to say it. Works are the evidence of your faith. Works are the evidence of your faith. They don't save you, but they are the evidence that faith you have faith, that you believe in Christ, that you're acting on what he's called you to do. And faith without the works is dead. Which means that God is asking us to really do that. He's asking us put faith Put feet to your faith. Go and do something about it. We have an example in the Old Testament of someone actually getting to do this. In the book of Genesis, many of us may know him. Um, James refers to him in uh, verses 20 and 22. James says this, You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? 
you see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, many of you may know the story of Abraham and Isaac. A flyby, if you're unfamiliar, we have a man who God promised a son. And so many years went by that it became medically impossible for his wife to give birth to kids. It was, she was beyond those, those years, but then God made it happen. God keeps his word. Abraham and his wife have Isaac. And Isaac is now this, this promise that God made for decades. Isaac is now there, and he's becoming a young man. Scholars believe when this story is about to happen, he's probably 12, 13. He's just a, a young boy, maybe an early teen. And God says, Abraham, you know that boy that I promised you that I said, you're going to be the father of nations, going to bless the world. He said, yes, I do, God. Abraham said, go sacrifice him to me. And Abraham's like, what? But Abraham doesn't say what. He says, okay. That's a leap of faith. To take the promise that God gave you and God says, hey, I want this back. Abraham says, I'm going to do it. And he takes Isaac up to the altar. And I can't even imagine the conversation they had because I think of Abraham in his hundreds and Isaac in his teens. Isaac can probably out-wrestle and outrun his daddy at this point. But they have this incredible conversation and Isaac is on that altar and Abraham is about to show God, prove that he has faith and he took action to it and God stops him. And God says, now I see your heart. I know your heart. But Abraham's actions were living proof that he had faith in God. It was beyond a thought. It was beyond words. He put his feet to it in the probably the hardest test anyone ever had to face, to sacrifice your own son. And God ultimately, he didn't have to sacrifice his son. God provided another sacrifice. But Abraham's faith was evident to all because of his actions. So I'll tell you this morning, take a few moments to ask God and jot down a few things on, on whether it's your notepad or your Bibles or your, your digibibles or your notes, whatever you're taking notes on. Ask God this question. What can I be doing for you? What works do I need to commit because of the faith that I have in you? Not, not to save me, not for my glory, but what do I get to do, God, because I have faith in you? So I think here's, here's proof of a self-examination for us as Christ's followers. Are we living out our faith by works? Are we taking those steps and walking through it and living these out every single day? Is my faith truly alive? Am I, am I working out my faith or am I working it out with faith and fear and trembling because I'm afraid that I have to prove something? Is it really alive or am I doing it with, faith, with fear and trembling because I want to prove something? What I think James is saying here in this, this whole topic of faith and works is that, that a faith in Christ cannot and is not a static faith. It's not stagnant. It doesn't sit still. It moves. I think it would be great to get to a place where it becomes second nature to have our, our faith and works just together as one with everything we do, right? We get to, to live and breathe living out our faith by the things we do, not because of us, because of Jesus, knowing it's why it's what he created us to do and our faith puts works to our actions. It would be so good and I think that it should and then ultimately that becomes a testament to what Jesus is doing in your heart and how we get to share that with everybody else, amen? Would, uh, would you stand with me and have the worship team come up? And as the worship team comes up, um, I wanna share with you something that, um, that happened this just yesterday. Um, I got to be a part of something that I'd never done before. It was really, really special um, for a man of great faith. Um, if you came to the prayer night, I gave an update on Joe Hamill. And he was having heart issues. And he'd been in the hospital for 15 days with various heart issues. And they said the only reason he was alive was because of a machine. I totally forget the name of the machine. But it wasn't a, 
it wasn't a pacemaker, but it was a machine that was actually pumping his heart. And when they were trying to turn the machine lower and lower to see if they could get his heart working on its own, every time they turned it down, it got worse. And so I got to go meet and talk with Joe last week. And um, he had made the decision. He'd said, hey, I'm not going to go much longer like this. Either Jesus is going to let me walk out of here or I'm going to walk to see him. And so um, yesterday he made the call. And he made it prior to a few days before. But yesterday was the day where at 5 p.m., I'd never done this before. We had a celebration of life for a man who was still alive looking at me. Yeah, it was, I remember going there thinking, this is going to be awkward. And then as we were doing it, it changed from, this is going to be awkward to, this is so special. This is so special to have his family and his friends here. And uh, we, we had a, a celebration of Joe's life. And we got to, he got to share some more stories about his faith. And man, if, uh, if you didn't know Joe, some highlights of his life, that was a man who... Uh, he was probably the most blunt, honest person I've ever met in my life. If something was on his heart, he said it, and he meant it, and he professed his love for Jesus all the time. And he talked about wanting people to know Jesus. He talked about wanting marriages to thrive and be strong. Um, he had uh, his first marriage, um, he had openly shared, and his family shared that the alcohol led to his first marriage falling apart. And then when he got married to Kathy, he was such an advocate for strong, healthy marriages. And he believed in it, and he acted on it, and he did seminars and small groups and attended things on how can we make marriages stronger. This was a man who put works with his faith because of Jesus. And around, it was around 11.30 last night, he received his heavenly promotion and went to go be with Jesus. And it was a, it was a hard time, but it was a really, really beautiful time. And so when, uh, today as we go on, pray for Kathy, pray for their family. Um, Joe was, in typical Joe fashion, when the doctor came in and said he was ready, he was like, well, let's do it. He was just ready to go be with Jesus, and it was a, it was a special, beautiful thing. So today, as, as we talk about, God, what can, uh, what can we do? How can we put our faith into actions? Think of what God wants you to do, and also let's, let's give credit and honor we're due, and let's pray for Joe and his family, and just, man, the man lived out a life of faith, and it was, it was incredible. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you so much. We thank you for today. I thank you for faith and works, God, this, this perfect pair and I know that, God, when, when we learn how to pair these things together, understanding that what we do doesn't save us, you save us. But because you saved us, we get to do things, God. It's a beautiful pairing. And I pray that as we go on, as we leave here today, you challenge us in ways that maybe we haven't felt challenged before. God, we're able to walk out and say, God, I get to do this. God, you want me to do this. And God, it's okay if it's uncomfortable. You know, we grow when we're uncomfortable. So God, I pray that you challenge us and you move in us and you allow us to really act on what we believe. God, I lift up Kathy to you right now. God, as she, uh, as she mourns the loss of her husband, but also celebrates the life that they had together. I thank you for that beautiful moment we got to have with Joe last night. God, I thank you that, um, that he's healed and dancing in your arms right now. I don't know if he was much of a dancer before, but I bet he's dancing now. So God, I thank you for this new life. He has this new body, this new heart. God, he's healed, and we celebrate that. Be with Kathy, comfort her. Be with the family, his kids and his grandkids, God. Hold them, comfort them, bring them joy that only you can bring and allow us as we look back at the life of Joe. God, we get to smile because we know that he's home and he's healed. We thank you, God, we love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.